Dotnet Rocks, episode 1110, with guest Glenn Block. Recorded Thursday, March 5th, 2015. Hey, Rockheads. Welcome to a very subdued edition of .NET Rocks. Uh, we have your subdued guest, Glenn Block, here, and our subdued co-host, Richard Campbell. How are you doing? I'm very subdued. I'm extremely not subdued You're today. not I'm, subdued. You've had a heck of a week. I got slash dotted last night. Uh, it's been a long time since that term's been thrown around. Yes, and I didn't know the site was still relevant. <laughs> I, I don't know that it is either, but it's led to some orders. You know what? You know what I discovered about Slashdot? What's that? Full of trolls. Oh yeah. Well, full of trolls. It's a comment site. What else is it going to have? Yeah, and oh wow, it, it's just been an amazing, crazy ride. Uh, I got an article published in IT uh, World, or a nice rag, and uh, it got slash dotted. And this is about music to code by. Of course. And um, the next thing I know, I'm up to my ears and orders. So 200 orders in about 12 hours. That's nice. And that they just, just keep ringing. So if you hear little vibrations, that's because I can't figure Because I'm on my iPhone right now to you, your engineering, and uh, you might hear a buzz. I, I tried to turn off notifications, but I don't understand all this Apple technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, I just. Hey, Richard, how you doing? I'm good. I've been plugging away here. You know, uh, we put together that uh, mo- that Google moderator site for the geek outs, so that people could vote up the different geek outs, and uh, yeah. it's gone really well. Lots of folks with lots of votes uh, suggesting other geek out shows. The uh, the Lockheed Martin fusion reactor came up again. They put out an- another article came out with them just recently, but it's the same story right they, they two years later it looks like they've made no progress at all they're just peddling the same story over and over again it's really a shame isn't it i i, I find it embarrassing but you know they're, they're clearly shopping for something i just don't know what it is they don't they're not actually honest in the piece anywhere about what what is it you want right right all right, I think I finally figured out how to turn off the uh the last of the okay. notifications every app has them you know yeah. It's not like there's a hub for it. Okay. Uh, let's roll the music for Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, buddy. What do you got? Uh, Microsoft has a website and an initiative called City Next. Ooh. And if you go to tinyurl.com slash mscitynext, or just Google Bing Microsoft City Next, and City Next is one word you will see this initiative. And uh, it's essentially uh, stories and resources for modern cities. The the basic uh, um, tagline is find the perfect solution, safer, smarter, healthier, and modern cities. So uh, it's it's about IoT. It's about technology. It's about uh, the way things are done with technology in a city. And it's, you know, if you ever had that thought experiment of how could I transform my city with Internet of Things and with technology, there you go. There's some really, really great stories and there's some suggestions and uh, technologies that you can use. 
Now, the thing that I don't really understand is, who is this for? Like, is this a website for uh, your uh, the consumer of a city? Or, <laughs> you know, or is it for the governments of cities or for people who make decisions with cities? I kind of think that's what it is, but... Um, but it's a, a very cool place. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been watching the smart city movement for a while now. In terms of a geek out as well, there and lots of organizations piling onto this. Uh, right. You know, yeah, it's definitely aimed at government folks. But if you show it to the public, so the public starts asking for it, you have a better chance that it's actually going to happen. Right. That, uh, yeah. yeah, it's and about it, what happens when you really use IoT throughout a city's infrastructure. Yeah, I think it's great for for stories and for ideas, and that's exactly what you're. Uh, saying here, Richard, and I, I tend to agree. Um, some amazing stories about how people have used technologies to make their cities safe, safer and healthier and and more educated and more integrated. Yep. So, very cool. City next. So, who's talking to us, bro? Grabbed a comment off of show 939, a show we did about a year or so ago with one uh, Glenn Block and also Never Justin Rusback and Adam Ralph. That's when we were at the NDC in London and we talked about Script CS and a few other things and some awesome comments on the show. That was one of my favorite shows because I, you know, I, I had known about Script CS a little bit, but it wasn't until Glenn sort of laid out what you could do with it that I just kind of freaked out. I kind of had a little freak out there. It's so powerful. And uh, and Johan Siprich said pretty much the same thing. He said, uh, I've come across Scripps CS occasionally while web surfing, but never really was interested in looking further into it because I didn't really see the value in it. But after listening to the episode, I became more interested and decided to give it a try. But installing it was quite a challenge. I had to install Chocolatey first, which failed the PowerShell command on the site that it gave. And instead, I opened the actual file into a web browser, saved it as a PowerScript file, and then ran it. And then once it was installed, I was able to install Script CS. And this is, you know, a year ago when Broslin was still beta bits and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But then when he actually tried to run it, he got another error, which is that it's not a valid Win32 application because Script CS at the time was compiled for 64-bit. And he had been right. hoping to use it for 32-bit. But beyond those hurdles, he really likes the idea of using C-sharp as a scripting language and a great advocate of C-sharp everywhere. He's tried using PowerShell for a variety of tasks, but he knows C-sharp way better. And, you know, the trick with PowerShell is that performing functions like reading an XML file or accessing a database, which you can do really easy in C-sharp, it's got a bunch of other steps because it's, it's a different kind of language, although it can call to C-sharp yeah. too. So, you know, you can use PowerShell to call into C-sharp anyway if you want. Uh, and then he asked, uh, could we get a, a regular setup EXE that would allow 32 or 64 bit and other settings that you could just all run for the command line to make life a little bit easier? And this weird guy, this uh, Glenn Block guy replied to him and said, uh, hey, we're, uh, we're working through some of these different issues and figuring stuff out. And, uh, and later on, uh, Johan came back and said, yeah, I was able to recompile it myself in 32 bit and I'm using it on a bunch of WinXP machines. So, hey, it's wow. happening. There you go. Good things are happening. So that was a year ago. I'm sure there's new news considering where things have gone. Uh, so, Johan, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or in any of our mobile apps because we've got them for iOS, Windows Phone 7 and 8, Android, and Windows 8. And before we go any further, let me tell you that Pluralsight is home to the largest technology and creative training library on the planet. They have thousands of developer, IT, and creative courses authored by MVPs and industry experts and 
.NET Rocks guests. They release dozens of new courses every month and offer a 10-day free trial, giving you 200 minutes, and offering a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack, including Script CS, Glenn. Ah, yes, there is a, there is a script, there is a script CS course. Uh, Paul B has a course on script CS, uh, on very good. So try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to Glenn Block, of course. By day, Glenn works at Splunk, making it easier for developers to work with big data as he drives development of Splunk's dev platform. By night, Glenn is an active maintainer and contributor of several OSS projects, including Script CS. And he's a polyglot with his most recent favorite language being Node.js and is very passionate about web API development. Of course, uh, Glenn is a frequent speaker internationally on various topics that affect developers and a published O'Reilly author. You can find him tweeting as at GBlock into the wee hours of the night. Welcome back, Glenn. Thanks for having me, guys. We, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, a lot of things have happened to C Sharp since that last, uh, since that last thing. And, and I don't just mean what Microsoft has done, of, but, you know, what Xamarin has done. And by extension, how C Sharp has sort of become a de facto lingua franca uh, all over the internet. Do you do you agree that that is sort of happening? It's really it's really exciting. I mean, the open source, uh, you know, the open sourcing of the dot, the future .NET framework and actually the existing .NET framework, um, as well as the new stuff happening in VNext. Um, is is definitely really exciting stuff and the fact that the openness of the teams um like the fact that the language itself the you know the Roslyn team and the C sharp team they're all on GitHub they're they're taking pull request considerations for enhancements to the language it's it's pretty nobody would have thought this was possible a couple of years ago um right it's it's, it's really exciting and 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 the pace at which everything is moving, um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's incredible stuff. And as for Xamarin, man, those guys are killing it. I mean, it's really, really yeah. cool what they've done. And I, I had a more intimacy with the Xamarin experience in the last year because I worked on uh, us rewriting our C-sharp SDK at Splunk to be a portable class library, .NET 4.5, and we wanted it to work for Xamarin. So I got to do some good playing with Xamarin iOS and Android and Xamarin Forms. And it's, 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 it's really exciting that ability to finally take your C sharp coding all these different places and, and really delivering on that. Has that really affected people's interest in script CS, do you think? Or is it just you find it a natural progression? Um, I mean, I think that's a good question. I don't have a great answer, but what I will say is that as, as open source, as Microsoft is pushing more that open source is a good thing, that, that certainly is going to help projects like ours. Um, right. Though I also, I also have some exciting stuff that I can tell you guys on the air about us with relation to Microsoft. So, um, when you say us, you mean Splunk? Script CS. Or Script sorry. CS. Okay. Us. Going forward means script CS. Okay. All right. Um, 
But can you um, catch us up yeah, to I mean, where I, we were last time we talked? Uh, just give us the uh, the the once over in case anybody missed that episode and is just dropping in. Well, I think we talked about the progress of the project. The last time we spoke, it was um, a little. Uh, it was under. It was it was almost a year. I think from the time that Scripps had been created and it hadn't right. gone away, which in itself was a good thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. it was gaining traction. Um, we were, we were pushing on a lot of different areas. I think the big one we were focused on at that time was really around cross platform. We wanted to be able to work on Linux. We had a lot of people saying, Hey, we'd like this to work on Linux. We'd like it to work on Mac. That was kind of our big focus, um, mm. at the time. Now we just passed our two year anniversary, by the way, literally this wow. last weekend, yeah. which is kind of crazy to think about. Now, that, when that we, we were talking in what was that December of 2013, I can't imagine you had any idea at that point. That I think, it, yeah, you, was, it was Feb. Yeah, you, I mean, you reached out to me like the weekend that I created the first prototype. Yes, that was, and I remember saying to you, like, why do you do it? Why do you want me on the show now? Like, this is, <laughs> this is just an idea. And you're like, well, we want to be there. <laughs> yeah. We want to be there first. Well, you know why? It's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Thanks. You know, running yeah. C sharp away from studio, this is the idea of here's this. I mean, you, you think about what, what Johan had just said there. He knows his way around C sharp. He was struggling with PowerShell. He wants to do scripting in C sharp. Yep. Yeah. It's been, uh, and what's, what I think has really been interesting too is I, I think we've been able to have quite a bit of an impact on the platform direction at Microsoft. Like a lot of the, a lot of the things coming out of Project K, which were heavily, or, or which is AS, you know, .NET V Next, which was heavily influenced by Node. They've also looked at a lot of things that, that we were doing as well in terms of, you know, giving an experience outside of Visual Studio, not requiring a full-blown project, these kind of things. Right. But um, a year ago, did, were you really, were you, did you know enough about K to know that the answer to how are we going to get this to run on the Mac and on Linux is don't worry, Microsoft will do it. I knew that K was, well, I was at Microsoft, so right. I knew that there were plans for K to support, uh, mono. What I didn't know was that there was actually going to be a runtime. You know, it's one thing to get it to compile down where mono can use those packages right. in libraries. I, I honestly didn't know at the time that there was a commitment to get a cross-platform runtime. And that's been a huge criticism, you know, when, when, when companies have looked at mono, I mean, one of the criticisms you hear, and it's not to say that mono is bad, is they say, well, you know, it's not really Microsoft supporting it. It doesn't yeah. have full parity, yes. all these other things. Well, uh, and, Kelly, and look, we Kelly use Summers mono extensively I, inside of Strange Loop. And nice. we, we ran it under serious load and it's garbage collector had weaknesses. You know, we, we actually had Miguel on the phone at one point. We were telling him what we're doing. He's like, yeah, I'm surprised it's working as well as it is. That's really brutal. <laughs> yeah. We, we ran into issues too, even with now this we is referring at Splunk with our Splunk SDK with things that, you know, even down to like the compiler that were semantically different. Right. Um, we filed bugs on those things. And, um, yeah, it's a challenge. So I think this is a win-win. But what's also a win-win is just how actively Xamarin is involved in the new things. So yes. it's not like, 
hey, we love what you guys did over there, you know, keeping the fire alive for .NET on Linux. Okay, we're going to go do it right now. You know, it's like, okay, you guys know this. There's lots of people in the community that, that know what this needs to be. Let's all work on it together. And that's a, that's a sea change. Absolutely. Uh, and and yeah. it's fascinating to see, uh, you know, it must be really cool to be working inside of the mono project right now and having the .NET bits visible and saying, well, what do we, how do we cross pollinate these things together? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. We're, so, we're, we're still looking for an answer on that. So going back to script CS, um, so we accomplished what we wanted. We, we built a mono engine. We, we decoupled script CS completely. Script CS really has evolved into a platform. I would say that's one big change since the last time we spoke. We now have a modularity story where script CS has a bunch of services. You can kind of think of it like the way VS has services. And in the last year, we've completely decoupled and allow you to write your own plugins for script CS. And one of those are language is the ability to have language plugins. So, um, we have an F sharp <laughs> module for script CS that allows you to use script CS with F sharp. Now you might be like, Whoa, why? Why would I want to do that? Um, and Ryan Riley is now maintaining that, but Dave, uh, who's over at uh, Xamarin originally wrote it, um, is that people like the script CS experience when saying, but I'm an F sharp developer. So, mm -hmm. you know, I like the particular thing they like is the way we offer rich integration with NuGet in script yeah. CS. Um, so that's been really cool, but having the, engine, you know, the redesign that enabled us to have engines and, and have all this, re this this refactoring, which actually was one of my, I tend to be, most of the work I do nowadays in Scripts CS is very low level. And I go through these spurts where like, okay, what's the next really big thing we need to push on? And that pulls me back in for, you know, a month of no sleep. And then I go dark <laughs> for a couple more months. And then I, <laughs> then I come back later. But that one was a huge one. And that was a real effort between me and Philip. Philip was really understanding mono and how to build the mono engine. And I was building the infrastructure into ScriptCS that would allow you to plug in custom engines. But anyway, we got there about eight months ago and it's not perfect, but it's been good enough that people have felt like, wow, we actually have this cross-platform story for ScriptCS and it uses mono on Linux and Mac, and it uses um, .NET, you know, the it uses the Roslyn CTP currently, um, yep. which also has some limitations that the Mono Engine got around. So the Roslyn CTP didn't support dynamic and didn't support async await. Well, actually, hmm. the Mono Engine does. So suddenly we had an answer even on Windows that said, hey, if you're willing to use the Mono Engine, you can actually get async await and dynamic, which is really, really cool. Um yeah. So that's where we are. The other really big feature we got in. So Paul Bauer has built the script CS version manager. So the script CS version manager is you run a single line of code. So earlier on, I was listening to the very nice comments that people made about script CS and that one guy who struggled to get it installed, he had to use chocolatey. With SVM, you do not have to use chocolatey. Um, you basically just run a PowerShell script and it installs SVM. What SVM is, is it allows you to have multiple versions of script CS side by side and swap between them instantly. And a new version comes out. Nodes had this for a long time. Ruby 
has had this RVM. K now has KVM, which is the new stuff that Core is doing. And we have Paul who built um, SVM. But the killer feature of SVM is if you're a developer that is actually working on ScriptCS, like I am, you can actually mount your local versions that are on, you know, like your local source bin directories also as versions. So I actually use, I live in SVM now and it works cross platform. So keeping mm. with the spirit, it works on Mac, works on, tell your, uh, you know, tell folks on the call, if you go to github.com slash scriptcs dash contrib slash SVM, you'll see SVM. It is fantastic. And it is a big change for us that we now have this much richer way, easier way to get ScriptCS onto machines and to allow people, you know, let's say that you're actually using ScriptCS in production and a new version comes out. You want to be able to test it. You don't want to have to like reformat the whole machine just to give it like a smoke test. Well, with SVM, you can do that really, really easily. Um, and it just allows you to make that version active. And once it's active, half. So... That is really cool. And what was also really cool about that is that's not something that we did as that we have a core team. Uh, actually, the guy who wrote it now is in the core team, but he wrote this on the side because he was really passionate about what we were doing. And, and he also built this the training for Pluralsight. Uh, but he has now officially joined us as part of our core team. So that's a really exciting thing. Um, the other... I would say bigger news is the fact that Microsoft reached out to us, the Roslyn team, and said, hey, you know, we love what you guys did with ScriptCS with the REPL. We've had this REPL experience that ships with Roslyn, but it's pretty weak. Um, we really like what you guys have, and we figure, why reinvent the wheel? Let's make your REPL the REPL for scripting of C Sharp. So... In this open source world, that means that we are now actively exploring both contributing to Roslyn and Roslyn contributing to us. They want to make our REPL so that IntelliSense works. Everybody wants that. They want to make our REPL so syntax highlighting works. So just like they're working with the OmniSharp guys, they're now working with us as well. Um, this is not ScriptCS joining Microsoft, becoming a part of Microsoft, nothing like that. We're just collaborating, which is the goodness of open source. And I think a lot of the positive changes that Microsoft are enabling this. And this is incredibly exciting because one day soon you'll see ScriptCS shipping in the box of Visual Studio. Wow. That, really? That is, that is the intent. Really? Wow. That's, and I the like intent is said, that wow, you'll really? be able to, <laughs> and the intent is that you'll be able to run ScriptCS scripts within the Roslyn interactive window right in VS. Wow. And you'll be able to run them outside. So it's, it's incredibly exciting. I'm really happy with the level of openness and how they've approached the conversation. We all are. This certainly takes our little project, which probably has a couple of thousand followers now, to a whole new level. Yeah, it puts it front uh, and center. It, it really seems that other script languages uh, are all trying to be, you know, at one, on one side of the spectrum, they're trying to be easy to use. And the other side, they're trying to be powerful. But at the end of the day, if you can find a, a real programmer to do your scripting, why wouldn't you have all the power of C Sharp? I, I always get frustrated with script scripting languages that are sort of, you know, made up for a particular app or whatever. And my, and my hope is just like you're getting with, you know, Project K or with, with, the, with the .NET V Next stuff, 
that in the future you'll be able to just open your scripts right into VS and put breakpoints and debug them. And these are all possibilities on the table now. Um, and actually seeing Microsoft invest in that. And there's one other thing that, so there was one ask that, really one main ask that came from the Roslyn team. And this one is a funny one, because I used to say that this would happen over my dead body, which, based on the fact that we're talking to them, <laughs> is actually going to change. Yeah. But yes. Apparently you're support. dead. <laughs> we're getting support for VB. <laughs> oh, my. Well, that's good. Well, at, as well you should. And it turns out that this is an example of where the decoupling that we did that allows us to support things like F-sharp can naturally be used to also support VB. So, so what are you saying? It, you, the tooling you did to support worthy languages lets you support unworthy languages? Is that what you're saying? Oh, my God. Uh, you you guys said are it, ridiculous. not me. Ah, it's you not know, fair, dude. Guys... It's a fine language. There's nothing I, yeah, wrong with I, it. I was a hard, yeah. I was literally a hardcore VB programmer for many, many years. And I actually carried around a book by Bruce McKinney called Hardcore VB. That was my vibe, yeah. my Bible. So I was, you know, I was there I, too, so you know. And, and the thing is, is that we don't understand that VB has, it kind of spurned.net, right? I mean, the ease and power of Visual Basic going up to VB6 was really the goal for, you know, the the whole developer visual studio idea going forward. It was well, it really the, was a pioneering yeah. language. And I think it it actually like when we look at script CS, a lot of the simplicity, VB does have a lot of simplicity. I mean, there's the the biggest pain point for me has always been and I know it wasn't just for me, in the move from VB6 to VB.net, there were a lot of changes and a lot of verbosity got introduced into the language. Like yep. C type, for example, I found that really painful. There were a whole bunch of object oriented constructs. This is just Glenn speaking, but, um, it's, you know, it's continued to have a loyal following. And yeah, you know, I may have said what I said and it meant that we weren't actively going to do it, but yeah. we also were never going to stop. I mean, the fact that we had the refactoring that we did, nothing stopped anyone from coming along now and building, building that in. But the fact that Roslyn's cross platform solution, is now yeah. going to support VB, there's no reason. I mean, it would just be like a, you know, it, it would just be being difficult to not support I, it. So it makes, I never it thought makes I would, I never thought I would do this, but you know, I, I went to C sharp because it, it's just everybody's, everybody's there. So that's where I am. There is no other reason for me to go to C sharp. All the, all the samples are in C sharp. You know, people come up with new things. They post the C sharp source that you gotta always gotta beg for VB examples. So that's why. And after writing C sharp for a few years, I did it. I went back into some of my VB code and tried to edit and uh, I found all these semicolons at the end of my lines that it just, you know, I mean, that was the motivator for, that was the motivator for a lot of folks. I mean, a lot of folks went because they said, oh, Microsoft's saying it fully supports VB, but yet every sample is in C sharp. All the hot excitement is around C sharp. Microsoft is implementing stuff in C sharp. So, right. um, I, I, I was a little surprised because I thought, oh, the end is nigh, but apparently not. And, you know, if based on that, I, I know at least one person who's been looking at script CS who really wants VB and constantly reminds me of it, after which I would remind him of my over my dead body comment, which became fun. But 
I now sent him the GitHub issue and said, his, his name is Christian. And I said, Hey, go look at the notes, which is actually really cool. By the way, all of our, the meeting that we had, all of the notes for that meeting are up on GitHub in the raw, in the .NET repo, which nice. is pretty insane. We can share a link on that as well. Um, so yeah, that is probably the most fundamental sea change that's coming. So we are collaborating right now. So the other advantage of our pluggable architecture is we can now build a plugin that will initially let people try out running completely on top of the new Roslyn without affecting existing costs. And this is where, you know, modularity and pluggability have a lot of benefit. We can ultimately then roll that in as the de facto. And that's the plan. We will ultimately deprecate our mono module. It'll be available for those that want to use it. We'll deprecate the mono, the CTP Roslyn module that we have. Yeah. And we will just be the new Roslyn. It will be, it will be the one compiler to rule them all. Well, at some point, we're just going to call it the compiler, right? Well, it'll still be C sharp. You know, we'll probably name them by language because yeah. we don't want to discourage like F sharp. And I, I, the other day I spoke at Portland, uh, .NET user group, Padnug. I haven't, ever spoken there before, actually. And I've done very few talks in Portland. And I met, and it was a script CS talk. And I met a few guys there that were using us with F-sharp. And nice. I, that made me feel really good. Like, hey, they're actually, or, you know, it wasn't like a ton, but they liked it. They found it useful. And it so, was working for them. Exactly. What more do you want? So the, the other big thing that is going on right now, so Philip is doing a lot of work with OmniSharp, exploring how to integrate those two libraries. Um, integrate OmniSharp with ScriptCS. Um, the other, other big thing I would say is, so there's a business feature that I've been working on. So we have this extensibility feature in, uh, ScriptCS that was introduced two, literally like almost two years ago, um, called script packs. And those, I don't know if you remember when we talked about those, but those were a way to just make it easy to take frameworks that weren't really designed for scripting and package them up and make them cleaner because there's a lot of boilerplate code you have to write once Visual Studio's out of the mix. Yeah. So the best example is Nancy. To get Nancy hosted in Script CS without using the script pack, you have to write like 30 lines of code at least. That goes to one line of code when you use the script pack. So they've been awesome. And, and if you go to our website, I mean, on GitHub, you'll see there's a wiki page and these things have continued to pop up. People have built different script packs and it offers a very node-like experience in C sharp, the way the script packs are designed, meaning that, you know, it doesn't rely on you putting using statements because it will inject the using statements for you. You don't have to new up a lot of objects. It's, it, it, it offers a very node-like inspired experience, but the downside is that it requires you to create a project with Visual Studio to create the script pack. Oh, wow. Now, because the script packs are really looked at as plugins, that's okay. I mean, it's not the best thing, but it's like you spent more time building the plumbing work around the script pack usually than the actual code. It might be just a couple of lines of code that you want to put in. Some of them are bigger. The Nancy script pack's actually pretty big. But my Uber dream has been well, I want you to be able to extend script CS by writing scripts. And not only that, but we had no way to share scripts with NuGet. So my other part of my Uber dream was you could just write a script, write a set of functions in a script, 
and package it up and publish it to NuGet as if it was a DLL. Nice. And that feature now exists. We just pushed that in. I was working on this for like the last month. And that was when you and I first connected, Richard. Yeah. And I call this feature, wait for it, script <laughs> libraries. Weird. Why? Where would that name come from? That's kind of so, strange. So, <laughs> so you're writing a library as a script. You have, and, and you can basically drop that into a script CS folder under the content folder of a package. And publish that to NuGet. And when ScriptCS installs that package, it will identify that there are these script library, the script library within, and automatically merge that script into the main script that is getting compiled. And the advantage of that is you can actually have script libraries that depend on other script libraries because at compile time, they'll all be present so they can refer to one another. Um, and it is like a really, really cool feature. So I demoed this uh, at Padnug. I demonstrated, I said, well, let's say I have a calculator. And a calculator is actually really easy to write in script. I just have like add, multiply, subtract, etc. And I showed them this. And then I packaged that up into this calculator, uh, script cs.calculator or something like that. And I had it locally uh, in a package source so that NuGet could find it. I installed it. And then I wrote a script that just nude up a calculator, and it was there. Magical. Yeah. <laughs> magic, magic. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Time to raise the once chocolatey bar of script CS and enjoy the nougat. <laughs> mm. <laughs> nougat has always been there. Nougat was there before chocolatey. <laughs> mm. I'm just trying but. to come up with a joke, man. No, it's good. I just destroyed it. You know, I'm the destroyer of jokes. (laughs) Actually, it's time to give away a CD and DVD of Music to Code by. Three 25-minute quiet and groovy instrumentals designed to get you into a state of flow and stay there. So see what all the fuss is about. .NET Rocks fans are being more productive with Music to Code by. You can check it out at mtcb.pwop.com. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Yoakum Sanderberger. Right, congratulations, Yoakum. Golf clap for you, sir. Nice golf clap. A nice subdued golf clap for Yoakum. Very subdued. Very subdued. And uh, if Yoakum just won the uh, music to code by, that's uh, the project that I've been working on and got slash dotted about last night. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, Answer a few questions and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you got to join to win. We like to ask our guest, Glenn Block, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you be buying? Let's see. Um, I would definitely, I would get, I would definitely get a new TV, one of the 4Ks. I don't have one of those yet. I've not entered the 4K generation yet. Um, can I buy future things that are not out yet? Sure. Absolutely. So I would like to get a Morpheus and an Oculus. Uh. I love VR. So Morpheus is, you know, the Sony VR that yeah. is coming. So that looks really, really exciting to me. Um, I would also get... Um, I. So wait a minute. So the scope of this is what? Anything I want with technology? Yeah, pretty much. 
So thanks yep. to Hanselman, I'd probably be putting down a thousand bucks and get a printer bot. Uh-oh. And, you know, Caught so by I the 3D printer. 3D printing. And, you know, it's, it's less than a thousand, but, you know, by the time you get all the gear and the setup and all of that. Yeah. So where am I at now? I got to be like close to five grand already. Yeah. You're, you're pretty there. close at that point. I can't believe you haven't said HoloLens yet. HoloLens would also be, I, HoloLens actually I have a friend whose husband was uh, one of the people leading up the HoloLens effort and she got to try it out. They let, they basically let the families of the people that were, she had no idea, by the way, that he was working on this until literally of the announcement. He was <laughs> wow. working on it for two years. <laughs> wow. And, uh, she wow, got to try indeed. it out and she said, that thing is the real deal. That video is not doctored up. Like the videos that have been passing around, she's like, it is real. And she was blown away and she's not even like a gadget freak. She didn't expect to be blown away. Um, but she's actually an yeah. architect, so she got blown away by the potential there. Yeah, no kidding. Of being able to do like walkthroughs yeah, right. and, but, uh, anyway, so yes, I guess HoloLens probably, I don't know what it'll cost. It'll probably put it up over the limit. Notice I did not say Apple Watch. Yeah. Which I'm kind of, <laughs> mad, apparently mad you're the on. only one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Awesome. All right, I, I want to leap back into this because I'm still trying to figure out the difference between a script pack and a script library. A script pack requires you to build a Visual Studio project, reference a bunch of DLLs right. and packages so that you get the script CS contract references. You have to implement an interface. There's a whole bunch of things you do, and then you create a DLL, and then you package that up as a package. Right. And then somebody can pull that in. With a script library, you're writing a CSX file. There is no Visual Studio project. Okay. You're writing pure script files. And you're not implementing any custom classes or interfaces. You're just writing a set of functions. You can have classes if you want to, but it's not like, it doesn't feel like a plugin. It feels like just writing a library. Nice. Any old library. So are are they going to replace script packs then? Not entirely, and that's a great question. And the reason why is because of the fact that these all get merged into the main script. Right. You can't have like an F-sharp script library running with a C-sharp main script because those can't be merged together. Right. In the future, we may have a story. We may have the ability to compile multiple languages. An alternative we've thought of, let's see what you think about this, is to allow you to say, and this we could do today, if you want to support multiple languages, put multiple language files in the content folder. Like, so the F-sharp module will look for FS files, and the C-sharp module looks for CSX files. Right. So what we could make work is say, well, if you want your library to work for F-sharp and C-sharp, include it implemented in both sets. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I I could see the advantage of the pack is you're already compiled into uh, a... Um... Yes, into an assembly. So yes. now it doesn't matter what language it is. You've completely you abstracted that away from me. You but got the, it. The idea that there's only a handful of languages and you could pick and choose them. Like I don't make me rewrite this F sharp code in C sharp just to make it part of my project. Yep. So that's the trade off. Um, but what I would say is that when we looked at it, look, 95% of the people or 98% of the folks that use script CS are using it for C sharp. Right. And but so that's also not, a self-fulfilling prophecy because it's so awkward to use anything else. 
Well, I don't know if that's totally it. I think that's where its foundation was. And yeah. that's where we did all the pushing. Like the F-sharp thing came about as, as a community built-in engine. But the point I'm trying to say is that this script library feature as is, even if it only works for C-sharp scripts calling C-sharp library, uh, script libraries, that helps 90, 98% yeah. of our, you know... Without having to jump into base. studio. I mean, that's the big thing here is get rid of the studio part. Yeah, and now, like, when you look at, if you were to put one of these script libraries in GitHub, you basically have whatever your CSX files are and a new spec. And that's it. That's really minimalist. That's yeah, really And really light. in spirit. So one challenge you have with Roslyn and when you use us with Mono is the fact that all the code that you write gets put into an outer class. That's how Roslyn works. Um, because the compiler, because the .NET runtime requires types and classes. It right. won't let you have just loose methods unless they're static. So what Rosalind does is it wraps everything in this class called a submission class. Um, and you can't use namespaces there. So that was a challenge for us because we were trying to think, well, what if two people have a script library with the same function name? How will they not overlap with each other? So what we came up with, or what I came up with, is we basically create a wrapper class, which is almost like a namespace. Right. Basically. So, you know, now if, if I'm using calculator.add, well, that's part of the calculator class. And yeah. there's a convention there. So the convention is we have an entry level file name that you have. So that you have to have a file called like foo main.csx. That's the entry point. And that foo will become the class name. Right. The other advantage of that is when we create that wrapper class, it actually inherits from our own base class because there's some static members that suddenly come into scope when you do that. Um, so it provided a bunch of advantages, but the biggest one, I think, is it almost gives a JavaScripty way of doing namespaces because you can't right. embed namespaces within an inner class. So it was yep. a pretty, I think it was a pretty interesting workaround that, you know, gets you to a nice place. Yeah, no kidding. But it, and it, I just like this idea of that you, we don't want to jump back to Visual Studio if we don't have to. You know that all of these things are going to be available to us. But you, you're right. You have to deal with the wrappers. Uh, you know, how do you keep the names from conflicting? Yep. And I think you know the other thing that's really nice about the collaboration we're doing with Microsoft is it really pushes the point that this is not a this or that. I do think that there's a set of things that ScriptCS is really good for, and you know, and, and that people have really flocked to. But most of those people that use us don't use us exclusively. Right. They are still using Visual Studio. They are just using it for less things because they find that ScriptCS works great for them. Well, with the work we're doing now with Microsoft, you won't really have to choose. Eventually, and I don't think eventually is that far out with the new model of how things work, you'll be able to say, hey, I can use Visual Studio and use ScriptCS, yeah. or I could not use Visual Studio and use ScriptCS, and of course, also just use .NET vNext, because yeah. you know the whole push to make it all run so that it's not coupled to um, an IDE is, is awesome. Yeah, and not that I have anything bad to say about Studio. It only gets better. It's just yep. the whole idea here is choice. So, Glenn, can you tell us, uh, are there any major applications that are using script CS in there, uh, you know, that, that we might have heard of? Yeah, one I think you've heard of is Octopus Deploy. 
Oh, really? Yes. So yep, absolutely. Supports, supports Script CS. They're probably the biggest big name that has used us. Um, I was just talking with Rob, and he wants to have install.csx for chocolatey. Um, so now that we're going cross-platform, and he's been doing a lot of investment looking in that direction, I think you're likely to see us fall in there as well. Um, there are a bunch. I think a lot of our use cases are not public products. Yeah. Like we know, for example, that there's a big trucking company that uses us for business rule logic. Like they just write business rules as scripts and put them in a repo. So they don't have to deal with maintaining all these DLLs and other stuff. Oh, and that's another important thing. Another big, uh, accomplishment we got in the last is we now do automatic runtime redirects of assemblies. This was causing a big problem because you compiled you know, you had a package that was compiled against certain versions of DLLs, particularly for script packs, and a whole bunch of stuff would just break. So um, this was another one of my low-level features, but we implemented, we basically hooked into the app domain and took over assembly resolution, and we ensure that regardless of what you ask for, you, you get unified to the most current version that is, that is available. Um, and that really helped just cause, you know, stop a lot of pain that was happening where we were getting these breakages because somebody would try to pull in a package that had a very specific uh, dependency on it that it couldn't find. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really exciting where things are going. I think if we have another uh, .NET Rocks in a year, um, it, totally it'll different probably again. look completely different yeah. in terms of the landscape. I'm trying to figure out if you're becoming PowerShell or if you're becoming VBA. <laughs> so it's, I still I think don't more think we're PowerShell, and I stand behind <laughs> this. You know, I think that look, Script CS is not designed for admins. Right? Sure, you can learn yeah. C sharp, but that is not the target. I can't the tell you how many admins I'm talking to that are learning C sharp. Like, it's surprising. Well, for them, it might be a good solution. Yeah. But what I'm saying mm -hmm. is that PowerShell aims at saying, "Well, we're fully encapsulated," and, and PowerShell has a lot of things that are really designed around level. the fact that it's a shell. A REPL is not one-to-one -one with a shell. It right. may look it. I mean, we have a REPL, and you could go in and just start typing commands. But what I say is if you're a developer and you can accomplish what you want to with Script CS, why not? Right. Like, you don't yeah. have to go to PowerShell just because. Um, and then, you know, we also have the community, Jim, um, who, who did a PowerShell commandlet that can call script CS. So you could even invoke it directly from within your PowerShell yeah. scripts. I would think those but, two would get along just fine. But And the VBA yeah. comment wasn't meant to be flippant. You were just describing somebody using this internally for their own app. Like, it, this looks like an interesting way to manage scripting in your app. I think it has that potential. And another thing that really formulated in the last year is our hosting layer. Right. Um, so there's a bunch of open source projects um, one of them is config R. Config R says, hey, you've got a .NET application and you want to have configuration. And instead of you having to have an XML file like app.config, wouldn't it be nice if you could just have code? Kind of like the way people do things in the Ruby world with Chef and all of that stuff. So you can now have config.csx and it's just code. But it means that, you know, you're not having, you can just change that CSX file for your configuration. You can have if else logic in there. You can have whatever you want. It's right. just code. And that actually is an example of where the customer who's using that, they don't care about script CS per se. They care about getting this 
scripted config, and it just happens to use Script.js as a host under the hood. Well, you're eliminating so XML from my life. That's a good idea. Always a good thing. Hey, um, have you thought about going to companies like Adobe and some of the big box software uh, companies? And I, you know, of course, there's lots to be mined right in in Microsoft, but uh, in going to them and saying, "Hey, how would you like, you know, in Premiere uh, or some, uh, you know, Photoshop or Illustrator to support Script CS?" It's a great idea. No, we've not thought about it. Um, but, you know, certainly open to any ideas you have there. And, um, yeah, those are, those are really interesting conversations, especially now that we're collaborating, uh, deeply. I expect you'll see Scripts show up in more products. I mean, if this really goes yeah. the way it looks like it's going, maybe one day in office, you'll be able to write an extension as a, a script library. <laughs> that would yeah. be pretty cool. <laughs> That gives you that gives you a chuckle. I love that. Yeah, and you thought VBA was a funny. I mean, really, we're we're due for a better macro language. I I yes. missed obviously. I you know that went above my head, but of course, once you brought it back, I get exactly what you mean. And I think yeah, it has that potential, um, especially by redu- you know reducing a lot of the monotony um, that that's associated with if if you took C sharp today and just made it do that. You know, like. Things like not needing to write lots of using statements and getting rid of the need to create a class. Yeah. People have reacted so well to that. So well. And, and it's also nice because as somebody who would like extend office, maybe I'm not even really an office developer that wants to like open up VS or an IDE. If you can just show me about going back to my current company, we see that a lot with Splunk. Like Splunk has a lot of built in extensibility with Python. Just write a Python script. Lots of admins are comfortable writing Python scripts. Sure. They don't use an IDE to do it. They literally go into Vim, you know, or Emacs, or we can start that holy war another time. And then they, <laughs> and then they just write their script and they go. So I think there's big potential, uh, there. And, and I haven't even really been thinking about it until we've, till this call. But I think you, I think you're right that there's tremendous potential there. Sure yeah. is. Bring us the languages that we prefer to operate in and, and, let us work wherever we want to work. So is there anything boiling or simmering on the pot that you haven't talked about that you might want to just throw out there? Yeah, absolutely. .NET Fringe. So I am back in conference organizing mode. Um, and I'm working with a bunch of people, including name at the top is Troy Howard, who is the organizer of Node PDX. And we are putting on a new .NET event in Portland, uh, which is April 12th through 14th. And it is called Portland, Oregon. Fringe. Portland, Oregon, correct. Yeah. And to say what fringe means, because a lot of people are taking it wrong. So this is all about open source and all about community. And when we say fringe, what we're really talking about is we're saying that a sign of maturity of the community is the fact that there are these organic projects that are happening outside that are making their way toward the mainstream. And a great example I'll use is Nancy. Nancy FX, which is like this great web framework that was created, you know, by the community that continues to grow. It's a top project on GitHub in terms of watchers and adoption. Lots of companies are using it. And no, it's not the in the box Microsoft solution, but the fact that the Microsoft ecosystem has matured enough with things like NuGet and even extensibility of the tools that put them on an even keel and levels the playing field is a huge thing. 
And so we really want to have this conference. A lot of people are asking us, oh, is this alt.net vnext? No, this is not about bashing Microsoft. We need to stop, in my opinion, making the conversation about Microsoft or not Microsoft. We need to just focus on what the community is doing, where are we, and how do we get there. And Microsoft is now part of that community. And, you know, a lot of changes have happened to, to indicate that. So this is not trying to, like, bash anything. This is really about celebrating the progress Great. that's been made. Also sending a broad message to other developers who maybe have not come near this, that this is actually happening and growing. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, Phil Hack is helping us, Scott Hanselman, Iris Klassen. We've got a, uh, Itamar uh, Sin Hershko is coming from uh, Israel. He's one of our organizers. We've got a really different kind of event planned. And this is not going to be the same speakers you see at every event. And I can announce our keynote speaker is going to be Jimmy Bogart, creator of nice. Automapper. And this is an amazing example of a library that, you know, was, you know, this didn't come out of Microsoft. Jimmy created it, got a huge following. It has become the de facto for any kind of mapping that you want to do in your code. And he's been through the whole open source trip, and he's going to tell his story. Um, but these are the kind of people that you'll see there. And you'll see folks from Microsoft as well. It's not mutually exclusive, but the real focus is around highlighting what the community is doing and, and where we can go from there. Awesome. Glenn, I wish you great luck and success with that. Maybe Richard and I will be there. We, we're going to work it out. We hope to see you there. I think it's going to be a great event. All right. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a